Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 7, and we are at page 92, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Charlene G. for the 12 Steps, Anita L. for the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Martha Z., James C., and Irene M. The reference number for Monday, August 22nd, is 9019. That's 9019. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeater Synonymous. I will now ask Charlene G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Charlene G. in Idaho. Here are the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Pabath. Thank you, Charlene. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, 
Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 7, on page 92, the last paragraph. I will ask Martha Z to begin reading, and she'll be reading two paragraphs, and we will focus our comments on this paragraph that um, she reads last, which is when dealing with such a person on page 93. Okay, go ahead, Martha. Good morning, Katie. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep this attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loathe to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. You will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all, of the traits of the alcoholic. If his own doctor is willing to tell him that he is alcoholic, so much the better. Even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition, he's become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you that question, if he will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. 
Dress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. When dealing with such a person, you'd better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. There's no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues no matter what your convictions are, no matter what your own convictions are. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, It starts out by saying you'd better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. So, um, you know, earlier it was talking about the importance of saying, I think, the importance of saying power greater than yourself and that it doesn't have to be what my personal, my conception of that power is. And that the person has only a willingness to believe. And I think that willingness to believe comes from taking a full step or, or having a full idea about step one, about being really powerless. I think that willingness comes from, boy, I can't do this. There's nothing I've been able to do that, that you know, that's ever made this work. So I think we become willing to believe because we can just see that we're not, our own power is not sufficient. So the question is, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? So we're, we're actually only talking about the need for a higher power, need to, for power. So um, it made me think about um, on on page 46 um, where it says, Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the spirit of the universe, underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms for those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding for those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. So, um, again, the main thing is that, uh, so from the paragraph before, it talked about how we, the main thing was that we be willing to believe in a power greater than ourselves and that he lived by spiritual principles. And we had have a big book meeting on Saturdays, and we were reading this uh, story number five that's called The Vicious Cycle. And it talks about the guy that fought hard to include God as we understand him and how they were all holding secret meetings on how they could, you know, kick him out. But anyway, he succeeded in in, um, being able to stay and and to have that contribution. So I just wanted to say that my experience with this is I did believe in God, but that is as far as it went. So only, only that really helped me you know, in really hard situations, like I can remember in college, praying for cognitive awareness. I mean, that was that was the kind of God that I had. And um, but I don't think I don't even think I heard God as I understand Him. I mean, I don't I don't even think I don't know. We did. It certainly wasn't an issue because I believed in God. But I I don't even think I was thinking about that. But I think it is it's very important because we are going to have people who do not believe. 
and we want to stay open and to have a way for them. So as sponsors, we need we need to be very careful with this. Anyway, so I think that's all I have. Uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha. Okay, who would like to pay, um, share on this second paragraph that she read? This is oh, Bella. Can I share? Bella D. Okay, Bella. Tina S. Amy G. Tina S. Paula D. Paula D. Reva P. Amy G. Amy G. Amy G. Abrio Effect. Lauren H. Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn H. Okay. There's a lot of like not people talking noise, so it sounds like someone's about to board a train or something. Okay, so I have Bella G, Tina S, Paula D, Reva P, Amy G, Lauren H, and Carolyn H. Was there anyone else I missed? Uh, Bria Lafitte. Uh, uh, Bria, I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Bria Lafitte, L-A-F-I-T-T-E. Okay, I'm just going to write Bria. Okay? Okay, so you'll be last. If everyone could please mute yourselves now. Um, and we will have Bella G followed by Tina S. Everyone, please mute. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. You had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. Yes, it's a reminder for myself that the program is not a teaching program. I am not a teacher. I am not going to teach you now principles about God, about who is God. I am talking in everyday language. I am talking from my own experience how these spiritual principles are working. Yes, I, when I am talking what's going on in my own experience, what is step one to remind me that I am powerless? I am powerless of everything. I have only one power, the power to choose, one choice at a time. And yes, I am talking from my own experience what is this higher power for me means in everyday experience, in everyday life. It's not a chapter from a book. I am talking from my own experience what the higher power that I call him God, what it means for me. But, you know, I am not a teacher. I am talking my own experience on an everyday level. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Um, Bella G, now Tina S, if you could please unmute and we will hear from you. Tina, press star one to unmute. Can you hear me now? Okay, I can, yes. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I was muted. Tina S. Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. I'm grateful to be on the line. 
Yeah, I'm really uh, grateful that when I got to uh, of Readers Anonymous and other 12-step programs, that I came in in a place of not really, you know, I'd grown up uh, in a religion, but didn't come here in a place of uh, really uh, being uh, well, adamant about the religion that I uh, was a part of. And, and actually, I wasn't practicing by the time I got here. And so therefore, you know, when I came in and they, and they spoke of God, I had this little bit of thing in my gut, you know. And so when people spoke, when people spoke of a power greater than myself, I could, I could grab on to that, you know. And so when I get to this place today, because, you know, here we're talking about step two, you know, when we're sharing with another alcoholic. And, um, you know, I had to come in here and I had to be, had to, be convinced to myself that I was beaten, that I was powerless. And, you know, it tells me, you know, on page 45, that lack of power is certainly my dilemma. You know, it's not the food, it's not the booze, it's not the drugs, it's not any of that stuff, it's lack of power. So when I get that drilled into myself, you know, then I'm going, okay, you know, if I can't do this on my own, and I share that with people, you know, I got to a place of, I just, I was beaten down. I couldn't do it on my own. So therefore, you know, I'm looking for something different. And when they, you know, when they talk about, you know, um, to bring this to everyday language when I'm describing these spiritual principles, you know, and, and the principle, you know, behind the second step, you know, you know, honesty is behind the first step and, oh, and I'm lost it. Hope is behind the second step. There's hope that there's there's a solution out there, and uh, and I try to do that today. Even though you know today my conception of of a higher power, I choose to call him God. You know, because it's shorter. You know, <laughs> and um, you know, but I certainly when I'm speaking to somebody else, I more times than uh, more often than not speak of a power greater than myself, so that it doesn't say that you know you have to have this god whatever i think it is so you know um what a great couple paragraphs and and i'm really glad that we're in uh, working with others this is a great chapter and with that i'll pass thanks thank you tina and now we'll have paula d followed by reva p good morning good morning katie and thank you for your service and this would be paula d Oh, what a wonderful paragraph to be be sitting in here. And uh, by the way, Paula D. recovered in New Hampshire by and with the grace of God. You know, when I look at look at this, I, I, you just see the simplicity. Keep it simple. You know, ego and the tendency is to like build it up. It's just basic. That's what this is when we look at the word spiritual principles, a basic truth. Boy, don't don't overwhelm them. And yet, this is what. As we look again, and I will look again, because this is a time frame that's been given you, a time frame that says here, certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Well, why do you want to add to confusion? That is in our place not to add to confusion. And then it says, don't raise such issues. No matter what your convictions are, we're not talking about your convictions. You're bringing him to a place where he is, and you're going there. And once you're there, you can bring him to the place where you are. But it says very, very clearly, when dealing with such a person. I'm going to end with the first line. You had better use everyday language. That's what they hear. That's what, they, that's what they're looking for. So be there. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. 
And now I'm going to mute the line again because it's it's really I don't know what's going on, but I'm. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, let's go on to Reva P. Followed by Amy G. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. Thank you. Good morning. It's Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I am amazed at how I never uh, understood it until we're going through it now, how clear cut the directions are in working with others. And I love this uh, concept of using everyday language um, because in my passion and excitement about uh, the program, I can get a little bit complicated. And what I'm realizing from this is, you know, it takes me back to where I was when I first came in. No matter how lovely my lectures are, the person I'm dealing with is not going to hear me anyway. So there's no point in making things complicated. It's not going to work. And I love the distinction between religious references and spirituality um, because it takes me back to the basics. Just like he's already explained that the disease is twofold, physical allergy, mental obsession. Now they're drilling home one simple main point that because this person is starting to acknowledge how hopeless, how um, all efforts have not worked, um, we get to the point that I don't have the power. And I don't have power to fix the food issue. And later on, when I came into program, I realized I'm powerless over everything else, people, places, and things in my life. And that's the main point. Some people call it God. Some people call it higher power. The God word did turn me off when I came. And I'm so grateful that um, even though it was a bit of a mess, I sort of got the message through all of that um, and learned to find my own concept. But it's it's really, really important that I just um, acknowledge it's a power greater than me. The main thing is that it's not me. That's the only main thing. Um, and after that, you know, it's up to every individual. Um, and I'm seeing that all the time. It's not just with the food. Um, I'm not able to control um, right now my son. And um, I'm grateful because there is a solution. And I can acknowledge the hopelessness of all of that because I know there is um, a solution through the steps. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, now we'll have Amy G. followed by Lauren H. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I'm not going to say much different than anyone else has said. It's the same thing, no matter what your own convictions are. My convictions shouldn't even play a part. I just share my experience with compulsive overeating, drill down, on the hopeless nature and the fatal na- nature of this compulsive, this disease of compulsive overeating, particularly the mental obsession, that my will and my self-knowledge is not going to get me well and fixed from this disease, and that I am ultimately powerless. You know, we are people that would normally not mix. It talks about it in their solution on page 17. <laughs> and, and it's a great quote. It says, normally we would not admit that there exists among us a fellowship of friendliness and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. 
We are like the passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. My job is not to share my convictions with you at all. You know, we, we stand on a common ground here of compulsive overeating and wanting to recover from this fatal disease. And that's the only thing I'm trying to do. And when they talk about speaking everyday language, I'm talking the 12 steps to people. I'm letting them convince themselves through some of my experience and anything else that I can share with them about the powerless nature of this disease. And then we get on the business of working the 12 steps. And the 12 steps is what helps them come to their own conviction of a higher power. That's not my job to do that. And sure, I don't want to confuse them any more than they are at that moment when they do come as a newcomer. And the whole, that whole process of working through the 12 steps brings about their own belief in a higher power. Unless asked, I never share about my convictions, my spiritual convictions, my religious beliefs, unless I'm asked. And if I do, it's very simple, and then we focus back on, on the questions of what they think their higher power is. And that all comes out. I don't need to do that. It all comes out in my work through the 12 steps with them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Lauren H., followed by Carolyn H. Lauren H., press star one to unmute. Okay, let's go on to Carolyn H., and then we'll maybe Lauren will be available after. Good morning. This is um, this is so awesome. I I love this part of the book because it just helps me to understand how sharing my own experience of what I needed a higher power to be and how I went about finding an I, a higher power. I spent 24 years in this program thinking I knew what a higher power was. And then when I actually read this book with a group like this, with my fellows, I was able to see that I didn't even know what a higher power should be for me. And all of a sudden, it became perfectly clear. And that is just the whole process, is helping somebody through the process by experience, by sharing my own experience and allowing them to ask the questions they need to ask so they can figure it out for themselves. That it, and everybody else has already said, I, I won't do the ditto thing, but, you know, it's so true. All we have to do is share our experience. I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. And has Lauren H. come back on the line? Um, you know, it's actually, well, Lauren from Pittsburgh. I don't know your initial. Lauren S., I guess. Okay, well, then we will move on to, I believe, uh, Bria is your name. Bria, are you there? Okay, well, um, we're just going to go ahead and move on to our second reader then. 
Um, Jane, will you please read that last paragraph on page 93? Nessa R. Good morning. Okay, I, we're moving on to James C. Nessa, you can be a reader. I mean, uh, talk after that, okay? Thank you. Oh, sorry. Good morning, everyone. This is James C. from Ohio, uh, recovered compulsive overeater, and um, we're on page 93 for those of you that just got on the call. Um, your prospect may belong to another religious or, or religious denomination. Religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he is going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. He will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to have worked so well. <clears throat> he may be an example of truth. Excuse me, of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, unselfish, constructive action. Let him see that you're not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. But call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precept he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with the general principles common among most uh, denominations. And um, phenomenal paradox read. I just this is a, this is a, a wonderful um, portion of how to actually work with people. You know I. I just want to just speak my heart to where where I may be a assistance to helping someone else who is contemplating working with somebody else for the first time, and they're facing somebody who who is religious, who knows more about God, the revelations, <clears throat> the precepts, the concepts of God are quite are quite apparent. And um, <clears throat> with that, I want to say that you know. You know, we, it's already been said that we speak on most simple terms, and I I think where where we really are, I know where I'm most beneficial um, in helping others in in these types of situations because I've run into this myself, um, is just being honest about it, sincere, and, and explaining that this process, this 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 work that is working within us, is working as a result from the inside out, not from the outside in. And that if, 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 if applying this faith was the only thing that we needed to do, you know, <laughs> then we, we all would have, we all would have been in, in a much, we must, we would have been further along down the road. Um, you know, I, I, I think about a story that, that, that really resonates with me and that's about a young man who, who's, who's walking through life and because of his selfishness, his self-seeking and his fear and control, was taken advantage of by thieves. And then I, I thought about further about how that story goes, and it talks about how a religious man sees him laying half dead along the roadside, and he walks on the other side of him saying, you know, I, I don't want nothing to do with that. And then here comes an educated man who walks on the other side of him and says, man, I can't help that guy. That guy's beyond help because he's half dead. And then there's coming, there comes a good Samaritan who basically is the same person that he is, you know, not not necessarily much different. And he takes the time to spend with him through this recovery process. He's working with him. You know, we're, we're on the chapter of working with others. And he takes the time to, to hear where, where his wounds are at. 
where he's hurting, what the problem is, and he relates to him. And he says, you know, you know, I've been there. <laughs> I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. I know what that is like when selfishness, self-seeking, fear is ravished within your, within your life and is a part of all that you do. It's the reason why you do all what you do. And it has robbed you. It has stolen from you. It has stolen your relationship. It has robbed you from your marriage. It has robbed you from your joy in life. It has robbed you from your success and what you thought the discipline ought to be from food. It's kept you prisoner. And then when you relate to that, you say, wow, and you spend the time that it takes to see the person through the process. And as a result of seeing him through the process, wow, he's, he, he's, he's recovered. You have to understand something. What, what happened at the last part of this, of this read was we were dealing only with a general principle common among most denominations, that we would treat, we would treat each other like we want to be treated. You know, I, I, for me, the best help I've ever received, whether it was from my sponsor or whether it was from someone else just calling me or, 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 or encouraging me, is they met me where I was at. They didn't talk above my head. They didn't tell me how, how successful they were. Those were those are those are impressive. Um, uh, yeah, if you if you if you announce your credentials before you speak to me, but what what really changed me, what really helped me through the process of getting recovered, were people that were willing to get to my level, speak to me from a very normal and a, and a very normal sense, and uh, bring and take the time that it took to to see me through the process. And for obviously, you know we. You know, those are those are my sponsors, and those are the people that are on this call that that I can reach out to for for any calls and so forth and so on. But I just want to say again, you know, the process we are filled from the inside out, not from the outside in. You know, I came into this process very religious myself, and I saw, you know, I I thought, you know, I thought the more we talk, I talked about God, that was the recovery. But God, I understand now that I'm back through this process that. God never asked himself to be called God. That's what we've called him. We've, we've labeled that. So, you know, yeah, I've got a problem with that now. But, you know, I don't make that the issue. What I do make the issue is that I am now where, the, where, where we just read it says, where, where, where he has failed, the very precepts he knows so well. Um, it's talking about the, the precepts that he knows so well. There, there has to be a process in why we're, where we're working with others that we bring people to a realization that they already know the answer. The answer is within themselves with enough, with enough of this, um, I gotta say, after they go through their fourth step, obviously they start to begin to a realization that that realization is what God is bringing to their attention. And so that knowledge with what God is doing within them is working, and now it is a God of their own understanding. He is bringing a life and a light to them that, you know, through the process of their recovery. And excuse okay, me. Thank you, Jane. Thank time. You. All right. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Nessa Sarah w. R. Larry. Nessa R. Sarah. Sharon H. in Colorado. Edie. Sharon H. Irene. Okay. I got those, I think. Okay. Nessa R. Sarah W, Larry K, Kim G, Sharon H, Irini, Irini. Okay, let's go with Sarah, I mean, Nessa R first, followed by Sarah W. 
Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., uh, recovered compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada, presently in um, Brooklyn, New York. Um, this paragraph is telling me my job is not to talk about religion, but to talk about my experience, strength, and hope. Um, to explain why my convictions have worked for me, whereas their convictions have not worked for them. And, you know, having um, sponsors from um, different religions um, definitely highlights the fact that I don't have the credibility, the credentials to speak um, about religion. Certainly, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish, and so certainly I cannot speak with any authority about um, religion for, with my with my non-Jewish sponsees, and even with my Jewish sponsees, um, most of them know a lot more than than I do. Um, but you know, this ties really well with the previous paragraph, and and especially the concept of prejudice, because because even even with uh, extensive religious training, we may come into program with with a lot of prejudice, um, and prejudice is an opinion that is not based on, on reason. And I've experienced, um, you know, many sponsees who come with lots of prejudices, not only, I mean, any, any religion, but lots of prejudices about how um, God is or isn't. Um, and very few understand why uh, these convictions are not working for them. Um, it is my job as a sponsor through relating my own evolution in my spirituality to get them to see why these convictions are not working for them. You know, I have a, quite a few sponsees who, who do believe in God, have very strong belief in God, but unfortunately believe that God cannot or will not help them with their problems. And, and this issue of prejudice is talked about uh, uh, extensively in the chapter of we agnostics at some point even asking us begging us actually to lay aside prejudice and this is what um, um, my experience and can hope can help achieve is in laying aside that prejudice that God cannot or will not help you know by showing them how um, um, a mature spirituality does work in aiding our recovery, whereas entrenching ourselves in our, in our prejudices only keeps us um, chained to to the problem. Um, my job is not to lecture. My job is not to pontificate or try to convert them, but to get them to see how in my own life, my power greater than myself is helping me uh, solve my problem. Not only my food problem, which, by the way, is not my problem, but my solution, but um, my living problems as well, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, uh, Sarah W., you're up, followed by Larry K. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. My name is Sarah W., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. <clears throat> There's so much in this paragraph, and so much has been said already in the previous paragraph also, but I, I was thinking to myself, I am not a religious person, um, and I can identify with uh, some previous shares. You know, for me, I was raised in one faith, and many of the people that I work with are also of, the, of another faith. And what, um, 
you know, I know for myself, when I came in, I was uh, a very uh, rebellious person. And, um, you know, like almost always uh, cynical and, and, and ready for somebody to, you know, are they going to think that they're going to control me or tell me what to do? And, um, you know, I think a lot of people that are religious um, get a little concerned that, that um, coming into a spiritual program that maybe um, their their um, religion is going to be diminished or that um, uh, or judged or just um, that we're going to try to, you know, to move them into some other kind of or like a cult-like uh, mentality. And um, I have one gal that I'm working with now that, um, you know, I, I I have to be very respectful and, and um, you know, everybody has gifts. And to encourage that, you know, that their religious belief is only, only going to be, um, to be, uh, exponentially greatened or um, uh, improved by them working this beautiful 12-step program. Um, And the other thing is, it says to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. I think so much of sponsorship is really about um, humility, about being able to listen to other people and not just share what I think, um, you know, where have they come from, um, and also, you know, how my experience um, in coming in uh, where I was um, has changed so drastically uh, from where I was to where I am now. And... Um, and why is it that you know that the person that is very religious is not able to uh, become abstinent and stay abstinent and find a, a peaceful, happy life? You know, you know, as it says in the book elsewhere, it says you know that we're not here to say that our way is the only way. But if their way hasn't worked, you know, give this a try. And you know, for me, it really has worked. Uh, but I think humility has to be a huge piece of this. And, you know, I'm not standing on a hilltop saying this is what I do and you're do- you've done it wrong. I'm saying this is what has worked for me. And join me if you wish. And, and I'm grateful to have you along. And, um, you know, I hope that, you know, you find um, your way to what works for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Kim G. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for your service, Larry Kay. Uh, recovered compulsive reader. Um, okay, so it says um, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Then we come back to, to that word action. This program is all action. You know, in, in Overeaters Anonymous, we, we start out with a, a relatively self-oriented interest, right? We, we, we come to lose weight, perhaps, to you know, maybe we've got problems uh, beyond the food. Um, I know I did, uh, for sure. Um, you know, we want to recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We learn something about it. And then during our step work, which is action, it's deliberate, deliberate practice. Somehow, somehow, it's not about science, wasn't for me. With the help of our creator, we, we you know, this work gets integrated, this work on self. And, and we, we cultivate an other-centeredness, an other-centered purpose. You see, it happens to all who are willing to engage in this process. 
you know, remember what our pioneers told us. Rarely do we see a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path. Thoroughly followed this path. After doing the work, we cultivate somehow this other-centered or God-centered uh, consciousness where, where our larger purpose and meaning of the work becomes very apparent to us. And that's when the program of action no longer becomes something that you do. It really becomes something you know, you, something that who, who you are. It has something to do with what you engage in now, and it's who I am. And now this program is who I am. In other words, these principles have a purpose that goes way beyond, you know, what my needs are. They become a way of living for me. And and I don't I don't toil anymore in the struggle. I don't have to armor up to battle with being out of the food anymore. I'm not stepping on other people's toes the way I used to. But it's all my faith was it was all action all along. I thought it before it was it was really about I'm gonna develop this faith and think more deeply about God. That's what I need is more contemplation and deeper understanding about God. And all the while it was all through action. It was all through action that you develop this other centeredness. And that's what I what the message that I carry today just from my experience, is that this God, this God that I understand, this higher power, it, this, this relationship was cultivated all by taking action. First action on my, my behalf, I wanted to come out of the suffering, but then this profound desire to help others. That's what, that's what this program's about for me today. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, Kim G, you're up, followed by yeah, Kim G, followed by Sharon H. All right. Thanks, Katie. Okay. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and uh, I'm going to approach this from a totally different angle. They're talking about people whose religious education is much better than ours, but I want to approach it differently. You know, I, I personally don't meet a lot of newcomers in Overeaters Anonymous. What I meet are people like me that are returning decade after decade, relapse after relapse. So when I look at them, I think, I, I meet a lot of people whose Overeaters Anonymous education is much better than mine. People who come in with a lot of fixed ideas of what the steps are, of what Overeaters Anonymous is, and they come in with this idea, you can't tell me any differently. I also meet people coming from AA who come in and say, what are you Overeaters Anonymous people going to tell me about my big book? This is an alcoholic called Big Book. I'm an alcoholic. What in OA can you teach me about that book? And I love how it says here, Mitty probably knows more about it than you do, but called to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. You know, for me, I know one of my prejudices coming in was when I came into a big book study five and a half years ago, 17 years in OA, five years into a relapse, and my, my arrogance was like, I was the intergroup chair. I was on the region board. I spoke at World Service Business Conference. What are you going to tell me? But I got curious because why were these people abstinent and happy? There was something different. I had to let go of my old ideas. I really saw for myself that my Overeaters Anonymous program was a bunch of slogans that people made up and a bunch of opinions that people had that didn't know what the actual steps were. You know, a common thing is I, I need to do a four step. I know steps one, two, and three. I, I know I was in the food yesterday, but I'm going to do a 10 step because I know that's, that's what you, you people tell me is where the relief comes. And I had to let go of my ego, and I help other people 
face their prejudices. Because the big thing I see is we don't even know what we suffer from. I think food and weight is my problem. I don't know about the allergy, the body, obsession of the mind. And part of my process was to question everything. I was told I had a threefold illness. What do you mean I have a twofold illness? What do you mean meeting makers don't make it? What do you mean that I, you know, the, the step two is just the acknowledgement you need a power? I thought I had to have a definitive idea of what God was. So when I look at this, this to me is, is, is often people who are stenched in the fellowship and in a way of working. And if it's working for you, great. But for those of us like me that come back, relapse after relapse, this is a way that we can question everything. If what you're doing isn't working, I, de- I implore you, open up your mind, listen with a different head and a different heart, and be open to a new experience with this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, Sharon H., you're up, followed by Irini. Uh, thank you, Katie. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado by God's Grace and practicing these 12 steps one day at a time. And um, <clears throat> what I wanted to zero in, too, was uh, he may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. <clears throat> and I, too, am one of those that had been around this program for many years and yet was unable to get abstinent and stay abstinent until I started listening to this line and they were rooted in the um, AA Big Book. And um, on um, Roman numeral X1III or whatever, uh, I was told that this is a textbook and this book was written precisely to show how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And it's a textbook for suffering sick alcoholics and for us as compulsive overeaters. And so that was the beginning and with the doctor's opinion of finally seeing um, my seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that up to that point, even on an unconscious level, I didn't believe to the core of my being. And so it is so important to keep it simple. This is not a religion. It's a textbook. And when I can understand that, it makes all the difference in how I approach this book. And when it says two things are required, we must believe in a higher power, a greater or a power greater than ourselves, and live by spiritual principles. And I've I've had religion in my life, and I haven't had religion in my life, and and so, but in both aspects. I did not live by spiritual principles, like they're laid out in the 12 and 12 on step one. And those are the action steps that we begin to practice and that set us free. Uh, It says AA's remaining 11 steps mean the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking, who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant, who wants to confess his fault to another and make restitution for harm done. Who cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect, unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. And so that's, that's what this 
OA vision for you has done for me has gotten me back into this book and practicing the principles just like they're laid out in this book. And I'm so grateful for that, and I'm so grateful to all of you out on the line. And um, I thank you for the privilege to be listening to this meeting one day at a time to continue uh, to stay recovered, which was my dilemma. I could get abstinent, but I couldn't stay abstinent. Um, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, Irini M., you're up. You'll be our last share today. Thank you so much, Katie, for your loving service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. My job as a sponsor, I can't even say it's a job because it's my joy. It's to carry the message and not the person, not to convince or convert them into a belief in any specific religion. This is about spirituality. It's to hold up, what I love to do is to hold up a mirror for others so they can see themselves between their false self and their true self. They need to see that in order for them to be convinced of who and what they really are. And then at the same time, they can hear my experience is what had my attention and focus that made me so powerless over the obsession of the mind. And now what has my attention and focus is the hope I give them being free of the, of the prisoner of our thoughts, my thoughts, and then the bondage of self. So to see and identify, you know, with, um, with the obsession and the temptations that we had, and then to show my testimony as a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, once again, always giving credit where credit is due. I cannot say that without giving credit because I'm still in awe. So then they can know in the depths of their being of how to be guided to make the decisions as to where to practice their faith. You know, what are they really believing in? And is it really working for them? And if it's not, that they have a choice. You have a choice, a decision to do different that it only seemed doomed, and that word seemed I never saw. <laughs> it only seemed doomed. It only appeared that way. But that wasn't the truth. That was false. That was my story. And that's where the, the hope comes in. And that's where my job and joy, really joy, is to show the light of the Spirit the truth from the darkness of self, which is the false self. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Adini. And now, thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to Charlene, Anita, Martha Z, and James C. And now we will have um, 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Arini M. please read that? Thank you again, Katie, and everyone on the line. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you have in God. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.